You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everybody, we've got Alex Lieberman today, who is the executive chairman and the co-founder of Morning Brew, which is an awesome newsletter that I read every single day. And it's a free email with the latest news from Wall Street to Silicon Valley to crypto. And he sold Morning Brew, or I think majority stake, right, to Business Insider. Yep. Yep. So that's been good. And so today we're going to it's gonna be a wide ranging conversation. We're going to talk about growth, obviously, because this is a marketing podcast. And we're going to talk about you know what's exciting to him and we'll just kind of go from there. So Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. So do you want to elaborate a little bit on kind of your background and kind of what you're up to now and we can dive into it? Yeah, totally. So my background is I was born in a suburb of New Jersey, born into a family of Wall Street folks. My dad, my mom, my grandpa all worked on Wall Street. So that's what I thought I wanted to do my whole life. And I would say up until senior year of college, every kind of decision I made in life was through the lens of how am I going to end up working as a trader on Wall Street? That all changed senior year of college when I started writing this little rinky-dink newsletter that originally was called Market Corner. It evolved into Morning Brew. Austin Reef became my co-founder. He was one of my early readers of the newsletter. And you know, fast forward six years since writing that first newsletter in college, Morning Brew is a business media brand with more than 5 million consumers across our products. We have 180 employees. As you mentioned, a big portion of the business was bought by Business Insider. We're super excited about where the company is going. Awesome. Amazing. And the numbers that are out there in public, I think it was 2018, you guys did about 3 million and in 2019, 13 million. And I think 2021, it was quote unquote set to earn 20 million. Is that about right? So 2020 was around 20 million. 2021, we did 45. The goal in 2022 is to do 75 plus. Wow. Okay. Everyone's probably thinking, I want to start a newsletter business, which is not easy at all. So how did you guys wrap it so quickly? Like if you were to attribute it to maybe like two or three things? Yeah, I would say first thing, and this is like the most cliche thing, but it really is what matters is like good content. The old adage of like lipstick on a pig or wrapping shit in tinfoil, like you really have to have an, a great product. And we felt super confident about serving a need for the modern business leader, making business more approachable and witty. So the first was good content. The second was our referral program. The referral program has been huge for the brew, you know, on say three and a half million subscribers, 10% of our total audience has gotten at least one referral. And that's been massive for us. And we've done that since the beginning. And we took a page out of Harry's Razor's playbook to come up with that referral program. That's kind of like the inspiration for ours. And then the third is we were early in doing paid acquisition on newsletters. And there was a point in time where we had ramped up paid acquisition specifically on our newsletter to half a million dollars a month. We did a pod before you just talked about like, not only that, like you would jump in when new features were launched, right? So when Snap launched oh, yeah. that feature, yeah, you destroyed it. We made sure we had good relationships with people that worked platform side. And so we made sure that we were kept in the loop or whitelisted or put onto the beta for new products. And we always took advantage of that because we just knew that they were going to have these new features preferred by the algorithm. We knew they were going to be cheaper in the beginning. And in a lot of ways, that's what like paid acquisition or growth marketing is. It's such a fast feedback loop, not only in 
rotating through creative, but also rotating through platforms as you feel like you're burning through audience or things are getting super expensive. So for example, like in the early days, we were spending a lot on Facebook and a lot on Instagram. We had one ad creative that absolutely crushed it. It was it was basically a fake text message conversation between friends about Morning Brew and how one of the friends found out about some big story because of it. And that absolutely crushed it. And then what happened was people saw that this creative was really clever. So then there was a lot of copycats of this creative. All of a sudden it wasn't standing out as much. So we had to create new creative. Then prices on Facebook and Instagram got super expensive. The quality of the subscriber we were getting from those platforms wasn't good. And so we shifted more to things like YouTube influencers, TikTok influencers, buying ads and other email newsletters. So it was just a very nimble job of growth marketing our way to scaling for the brew. Love it. If you Google morning brew referral program, maybe just case study, you should find a write-up on it. Just I think it's someone on your team that wrote yeah, it Yeah, Tyler Dank. The origin story of our referral program is we first saw it with Harry's Razors. We were like, we got to do this, but we didn't have any technical skills in-house. We found that there was a company that allowed you to make referral-based landing pages. They were the ones who I believe had set up Robinhood's original wait list. Kickoff Labs was the name of the company. We used Kickoff Labs. Then we found that it wasn't very flexible about in terms of like doing anything with our website outside of the referral program. So then we were like, let's just try building this ourselves. We went to Upwork. We found a developer who had built the Harry's Razors landing page and referral program for like six other people. He charged us $500. He built the whole referral program. And then Tyler joined the brew and he saw that it was kind of shoddy in how it was built. It wasn't very scalable. He rebuilt it. Honestly, the cool thing now is, you know, he, has since left the brew. He's launched his own company, Beehive, which is a Substack competitor. And you know he's leveraging the referral program now as like a service that any newsletter creator or provider can use after building it at the brew. So it's, it's just cool to see the evolution. We're not going to talk too much about the origin story because I mean, it's been talked about quite a bit. So listen to the other podcast for that one, but it's just a lot of scrappiness and also kind of looking at the future and being ahead of things, right? That's where you get the quote unquote alpha from. So for you now, I mean, I don't think you're 30 yet, right? So you're still 28, 28. Okay. You're, you're 28 right now. And then you're like, you did morning brew for a little bit. It's like, okay, it's time for me to become executive chairman. So walk us through that thought process and walk us through kind of what you're working on now. Cause not many people think like that. They're like, I need to be CEO. Yeah. Well, to be totally honest with you, I definitely wasn't in my head like, oh, you know, I have to be executive chairman. What basically happened was we got to the point in the business where I'd say the role of the CEO really changed. You've seen these Y Combinator articles about the stages of business, the different forms of CEO. And I would say the early stage CEO, they have one job, which is to find product market fit. Then you have the second stage CEO, which is let's call it like the operational CEO, which is really about process planning and scaling. And then you have the third stage, which in some ways, I think actually reverts back to re-steepening the growth curve, thinking a lot about culture as you've built up a ton of scale. And so, you know, what I found, at least at this point in my life, is I loved the first stage. I loved it. And it's what leaned into the things that I was best at. You know, you learn this very early in entrepreneurship, but like you really have to quickly figure out what are the one or two things that you're really good at, that the world needs, that you enjoy doing. And for me, it was selling and storytelling, willing new shit into existence and proving that I had a great solution to a problem. And that was kind of it. And it worked really well in, let's call it the first three or four years of the business, because we were selling everything. 
we're selling employees on why they should take a risk to join a newsletter business, selling investors on why you should bet on two college kids that are building a media business that generally media businesses aren't always the best investments, selling advertisers on why you should spend money with Morning Brew when you could go to the Wall Street Journal or CNBC. It was all a sale. And the second piece was actually building, like building the newsletter, building our podcasts, like building our audience. And we got to the second phase where we had the foundation and it was about accelerating. And in order to accelerate, we had to be great at being proactive and looking forward. And to be honest, that was the combination of things that did not leverage my best skills and the things I didn't love most. And so my co-founder, Austin, moved into the CEO role because like that is his shit. That is what he is exceptional at. He's a great operator. And so I moved into the executive chairman role. And I would say, basically, I spend my time on three things now. One is creating content for two reasons. One is because it allows me to storytell. And two, as someone who's really passionate about media, I just find it's the best way to see where the industry is going is by being a creator myself. Second is Morning Brew, like as we scale from, as you refer to it, and most people refer to it as a newsletter to a media brand, one of the big bets we're making is that people identify with people. And so we are bringing creators onto our platform. And that is a new type of sale. And so I'm spending a lot of time on that sale, convincing creators why they should join Morning Brew. And the third is honestly, just like tackling the biggest problems with Austin related to the business. And so that's how I spend my time now as, as an executive chairman. Mm. How often do you talk to Austin per week? Every day. Wow. Okay. And this is like, I'm, I'm assuming like a couple hours or what does it look like? We don't have like set catch-ups. Maybe we should, we used to, but like now it's literally just like in between meetings, we'll talk about important things going on. So it'll be like, if I talk to a really interesting creator who I'm like, we should look more into this person about bringing them on the brew platform. I'll send him their information on Slack. I'll be like, you should check them out. Or if like I'm talking about a challenge within the business with him, whether it's a personnel challenge or whether it's a way to level up our partnership with Axel Springer Business Insider, we'll shoot each other a call. Or honestly, now what we do most is like huddle on Slack. Like huddles have been like yeah. the best <laughs> the best feature added to Slack. Yeah, they're fast. What percentage of your time do you think goes to Morning Brew right now? Do you think it's still the majority, but just in direct ways? I would say that, 30 or 35 hours a week are spent on morning bro. Got it. Got it. It's just, in, yeah, I think it's in a different capacity. And so do you, by the way, do you think you ever go back to being a CEO? You got your nut now, right? So that now you can just focus on like what? It's a great question. And honestly, I've been thinking about it a lot recently because one is because I think stories can be really powerful and can be dangerous. And what I mean by that is for the longest time, I told myself, no, Alex, you're a zero to one person. Like you love creating, you love getting it set, and then you love handing it off. And I've realized for myself, that's maybe not the most productive way to think because it shorts myself the opportunity to maybe do the, the one to 10 or whatever it may be. And so will I ever be a CEO again? I would say there's a high probability that I will be a founder again. But I think what that looks like could be interesting. Like something I've been studying the model for a lot is like what Kevin Ryan has done or what Atomic has done. So the idea of basically incubating, I've gone like to the extreme of the thought exercise of if Alex Lieberman wanted to have 40 businesses that he's founded be before the end of his career, is that, how do you make that possible? That's really interesting to me because to your original question, I don't know if I would want to dive deep on just one thing for say seven to 10 years again. Mm -hmm. And so what could it look like to build new things, but not have to make that seven to 10 year commitment on just one thing? Yep. So it's atomic.vc. I think they have a very interesting model. 
maybe it's like an atomic VC. There's like tiny capital, right? So it's, it's something kind of in between, right? Yeah. So for example, like with atomic, with their model, it's like, I think what Jack Abraham says is that every business they launch, they launch it with the hope that it will go public. They will incubate the business and then they will hire an operator. And this all started with Jack Abraham having a list of 500 businesses before he went and started Atomic, basically that he came up with when he had sold his previous business, I believe to eBay. Mm. And the model, like for example, for Kevin Ryan or Nigel Eccles, who is the co-founder of FanDuel is a little bit different where they come up with an idea, they build it themselves it actually is quite similar to Atomic. It's less just, it's not a formal fund. So for like Kevin Ryan, right? Like he founded Business Insider, MongoDB, Zola, Guilt Group, and like three or four other companies. And he is the chairman of all of them. And at any given time, he's probably the CEO of one of them. Once it gets to a certain place, he puts someone in. And so I'm fascinated to study like, how do you do that, right? Like when do you decide to leave when you decide that it has hit the point where your skill set is no longer best suited for that business or it's no longer fun for you. So that's that's what I'm spending time thinking about. Yeah. When you think about Darmesh from HubSpot, the story is like he seed funded it, right? And you know, his whole thing was, hey, like, I don't want any direct reports. Like the only person I'm gonna work with is gonna be Brian, right? What you're mentioning is a little similar because it's like as chairman, you can kind of uh, all these different companies, you can kind of jump in and help and then just move on. Right. And that's kind of the dream for, for me as well. So something we can talk about later, but I, yeah. I think that's a nice segue into your podcast, the founder's journal. So can you talk about that one a little bit and then talk about how it's doing yeah. and we'll go from there. Yeah. So similar to the brew founder's journal happened by accident. We were a few months into the pandemic. I had a, a fair bit of time because Austin had already kind of like assumed some of the operational responsibilities and a thought I had to myself is I've always understood the value of journaling. I have a lot of friends who journal. I have a lot of journals myself, just very unfilled ones. And I was like, I really want to build this habit because I, I think it's the best way for me to process thoughts and emotions. And the issue is, is I've tried journaling and it's the classic, like if it's too big of a, a step or a hurdle, you don't build the habit. And so I've always done it for like a week and then it goes away. And so I said to myself, what if I journal by talking because it's easier to just talk. I like talking. And what if I do it in a way where I hold myself accountable to other people so that if I don't journal for a day, I'm letting down other people, not just myself. And so that's how it started was I literally just started on, which is crazy that this, <laughs> this uh, application still exists on Macs, but I opened up photo booth one day, which is wild that photo booth is still a thing. I remember like in middle school taking like the multicolor pictures and I just recorded myself talking about the biggest thing that happened in my day running the brew. And over time, I would say it's evolved, right? Because naturally, like, it's a story of my growth that has happened with my trajectory. So I started it when I was running the business. Then we sold while I was at some point doing Founders Journal. Then I stepped into the executive chairman role. And so with that, you can see like some of the episodes just track that evolution, right? So after leaving the CEO role, there are episodes about me feeling lost me having imposter syndrome, me trying to think about what's next. Before I moved into a new role, it was very much about like managing specific employees. But overall, the podcast is three days a week. It's 15 minutes an episode. And it's basically every episode, you should get a new way of thinking that helps you grow as a leader and a professional. And the reason it's 15 minutes is I find that most podcasts 
are far too long. I give a lot of credit to the Tim Ferriss and the Joe Rogans of the world, but I don't think people would want to hear me speak for three hours. And so 15 minutes feels palatable to me. I love it. Yeah. So here's the thing, like as you're going through the transaction, right? There's a lot of things that you can't really reveal. And maybe you, you probably don't even want the public to know that you're selling, right? So how do you kind of teach without giving out too much? Yeah, that was the hardest thing is because when we were going through the transaction, first of all, it was like, an 11 or 12 month process because we started the conversation in December of 2019. The deal happened in October of 2020. Pandemic started in March of 2020. And so there was very much this like emotional journey with the deal where like it was looking very likely in like January and February, March of 2020 happened. And it like all of the conversations ended. Then a few months later, they started back up. So it was very much like there was a whiplashing feeling around deal conversations, but also, you know, I'd never been through a deal before, but it was basically a full-time job. It was basically a full-time job in diligence, in negotiations, talking to lawyers. And so there was so much great content there. And so what I was either doing is I was finding lessons in the conversations around the deal that did not specifically call out that it was a deal. So everything from like how to negotiate to the value of having a strong legal team. There were episodes where I talked about lessons that could be applied to many things, not just a deal. And I kind of followed the same rule with Founders Journal as I do with just like communication in our business, which is like, I think most things should be talked about in a business. And the things I don't think should be talked about are specific personnel, like individual people, unless they've given permission to do so. And things that have not happened yet where public information about it could prevent the thing from happening. So transactions obviously are the big one there. And so that's my philosophy about like founders, what they should talk about in their business. And it's the same philosophy for Founders Journal. I love that. that that's so smart. Yeah. Like you're getting the wheels turning for me because I have the, the leveling up podcast, right? I'm like been thinking about like what I want to do exactly with that one. It's like, if it's literally three times a week and it's just me sharing key lessons from like certain interactions or experiences, that's very, like very doable. So is that what you're doing? You're, you're recording three times a week separately? Yep. Record three times a week separately. And to be honest, it's kind of like writing an essay every time. And I've always kind of gone back and forth between, do I like bullet out what I'm going to say, or do I write the whole thing? Recently I've written the whole thing. So then I've, my growth wheels have been turning of like, there's so much content here. How do I just yeah. like leverage the shit out of this content? But uh, yeah, I'm writing it three days a week. We actually just recently got a bunch of insights around the podcast. Like our analytics team studied mm-hmm. what works best. And so for example, leadership related episodes perform significantly better than other episodes. And so like something I started recently reading, not because of Founders Journal, but I'm like, now that I know leadership does really well, like I'm reading the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And I'm like, okay, I have to think about how to get at least a few episodes out of this book since it's so applicable for running companies. And I know leadership as a topic hits well with my audience. Yeah. I love that. I mean, talking to, to to you, Sam and Ali today, it's really like, so Ali does the book reviews, right? Like you're really just taking your experiences from the day to day and then just sharing it and just putting your own spin on it. Right. It's, it's something anybody can do really. And then you just compound over time, oversimplifying it, but that's what so, it is. No, no. And to be honest with you, I was kind of referring to it before you're 28. Now you're an executive chairman. What are you doing? And like, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time thinking about that too much time and I haven't gotten to an exact answer. But to be honest with you, one of the big questions that I've had for myself is like in 
whatever my future journeys are, what are the things that are going to be motivating me, right? Because like the thing that motivated me for building Morning Brew and like working 14 hour days on it in college and after college was I would say there were two things. It was the excitement of building my first business and it was things related to money. In a lot of ways, I wanted to get to a place where I felt comfortable and also I felt like I could take care of my family. As the business has progressed, as just like life has changed, the things that are going to motivate me today are not the things that motivated me with the first business. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about if I was to build more businesses moving forward, what is going to be the core motivator that gets me to grind in the same way that I did in 2015, 2016, and 2017? And I recently came to at least one hypothesis of what it could be. And the answer is learning. And the reason it's learning is because I love learning, but I love learning by doing. Like there was a period of time where I was like, I love learning in any way. And I just started consuming a lot of content. Like I was spending many hours a day consuming and I didn't feel filled. I felt like I liked it, but I was missing out on like building with my bare hands. What learning by doing allows me to do is one, I feel like I'm learning in this conversation with you right now. I'm learning how to be a better podcast host by seeing your mannerisms and the way you're guiding the conversation. Like every interaction, I see there's opportunity to learn, but also it's because like I love to teach. It's one of the reasons I create content. One of the ways that you can teach is specifically teach at scale. And my view is like, in order to be an effective teacher at scale, I need to learn by doing and then leverage those lessons. And so that's kind of like how it all comes full circle for me. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more teacher entrepreneurs because I mean, like literally like what would I want on my grave? Just, I just wanted to say like, this guy was a good teacher, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what it is. You you learn and you articulate what you learn by by teaching. Cool. So you've worked in media. It's, again, it's not just a newsletter, like I mentioned earlier, but it's way more than that. So what are you excited about in terms of the future of, of media and whatever trends you find exciting too? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few big bets that we are making with the brew. I would say one of the big bets is that there's still a ton of opportunity in business media. There is no CNBC for our generation. And when I say CNBC, I use the phrase really kind of loosely. I don't just mean like linear cable business, like always on business news. I literally just mean great business content in video, audio, or social form. There's no one who owns that. And I think we can own that. So that is exciting to me, especially in the age of the rise of crypto, the rise of Web3, the rise of the Robinhood trader. Like there's never been more attention and excitement around business. That's why one of the biggest bets we're making is we know how to do the newsletter thing really well. And it's going to continue to be kind of like the breadwinner of the business that will be focused. But I would say our biggest bet where we see the most growth is Morning Brew being as good at creating multimedia franchises as we are doing newsletters. So that's the first bet. The second bet is, you know, this isn't a new thesis, but like the creator economy, using that phrase, it's just like, it means, it, it kind of doesn't mean anything anymore because it's all encompassing to the idea that human beings can create content. And what I would say is like, there's so much nuance to that. And our belief around the creator economy is one, that people identify with people and human beings can build bigger franchises around themselves than ever before because of the leverage created by the internet and social media. We also think that for many creators, 
many creators don't necessarily want to be entrepreneurs. There is a life cycle of being a creator. You start as a creator, creating content to find content market fit. Once you find content market fit, then you're starting to think about how do I scale? How do I monetize? And once you start getting into those things, scaling and monetization, you have to start thinking about things like team, logistics, legal. Not every creator wants to do that. And so the question is, is for creators who don't want to do that, how are they going to be able to do the things that they love while having the support on the things that they don't love? And it's hilarious, right? Because there's been this talk, especially with the proliferation of Substack of like the great unbundling of the newsroom. And then everyone talks about like the great rebundling because like you see individual creators forming a collective together. And I think it just naturally makes sense that where there is audience, money follows. And also where there are, there are needs that creators or, or people don't want to do, someone is, is going to come in to solve it. And so all that to say, one of our bets is that Morning Brew is filling a gap in business media and we're doing it creator first. And we're focusing on providing support to creators on the things that are really freaking annoying to them. Infrastructure, monetization. So like, say we, we just recently brought on a creator who's focusing on personal finance. That is her, that is going to be her jam and her deep interest. All we want her to think about is how she can have a content empire around personal finance. We don't want her to think about post-production, pre-production. We don't want her to think about cross promotions. We don't want her to think about direct ad deals. We are going to do all of those things. That's one of our big views as well. I remember talking to Jacob, the, I think he's the GM that's running all yeah, this Jacob stuff. Donnelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, we can totally do this for marketing school. He's like, no, you guys are too far along and you have like staff. And I was like, oh, damn it. But I think it's a good idea for everyone that like, because it's a lot of shit to worry about, right? Like most people don't, to your point, most people don't want to worry about all this stuff. They just want to create. And so I think it makes a lot of sense to do a deal with a morning brew and on this. And sounds like, I mean, this is like an entire empire. It's, it's no longer, it's it's a media, it's not just a media company. I mean, you, I don't even know what to call that. Would that just be like, that's not a collective. Is that like, it, a, it's like, it's, I mean, it's just like a consumer brand. Like. Yeah, to your point, the way we think about it is the media is the marketing layer. Mm -hmm. The marketing layer can be monetized with ads, just like Facebook as a audience or marketing layer can be monetized, but it could also be monetized with our own products. So if you think about it, it's like we are building up this marketing layer. The way we're building up the marketing layer is with creators focused on specific interests from personal finance to crypto to productivity. And then sitting below that marketing layer is how do we create products or educational courses that can be marketed through that layer. And so mm -hmm. just to give you the example of myself with Founders Journal, the way we think about it is Founders Journal is a franchise that's focused on career and growth. We can monetize it through advertisements that our sales team sells, but we could also monetize it through merch for people who are super into Founders Journal. We could monetize it through NFTs if we have a really passionate part of our audience. We could monetize it through a course. We are launching an audience building course that I am the teacher of, mm. and it is marketed in Founders Journal. We are likely thinking about launching a line of journals. This could be the first place to launch that product. So you can imagine I'm just one node if we have dozens of nodes focused on specific interests that business people have. Super smart. Yeah. You hear like the Naval Code Capital Media Labor. I think yep. the media part's the hardest, right? And arguably the most valuable because everything kind of just builds on top of that. So I love that. I, I, I totally agree. Cool, man. By the way, for everyone to know too, Alex put together this this awesome book club that, that I joined and uh, just another good way to learn and also connect with really amazing people. So you should be doing that with people around you as well.
And again, experiences turn into content, which is why a book club episode became an episode on my podcast. Oh, wow. See, there you go. What literally this conversation, right? Serendipity, like it's just like little things. I'm just like, okay, I need to be doing a founder's journal style for leveling up because I have my own lessons. A hundred percent. Cool. We got to be doing this more. So we'll probably do one in like, I don't know, six months or whatever. Perfect. But um, final two questions. What would be your favorite book in the last 12 months? When Breath Becomes Air. So it's by Paul Kalanithi, who was a medical resident. I can't remember where. He passed away from cancer. And it's his memoir of his experience being diagnosed with cancer and the emotional and spiritual journey of living with that truth and having cancer, coming into remission for a period of time, and then getting re-diagnosed. And again, became a Founders Journal episode because it moved me so much. It's not a business book, which are oftentimes the best books, right? Like our book club right now, we're reading the Will Smith autobiography. I've learned more about myself as a professional from that than many business books. It creates amazing perspective. And it really makes me appreciate every opportunity that I'm given. Shit. I just realized the books in my, my, in one of the Amazon boxes in the front. So I got to open it. I, I don't know how, how, how behind I am right now, but I got to catch up. You'll, you'll um, be good. Cool. And then final question would be a uh, favorite business tool that you've added or personal tool could be like a eight sleep or a Peloton you've added in the last 12 months. This is going to be the most basic one, but I didn't start using it until recently is literally like the screen time app on my phone. So I love that app, but it like, it screws up so much. Like sometimes I over report on like, you know, like Safari. So it's like, it, I don't know if that happens to you. Oh, really? I've never experienced that. Oh, you're, you're lucky then. But so, yeah, so, it's game changer. Yeah. So I allow myself one hour on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and LinkedIn every day. After that hour passes, I have to basically tell my phone I'm a bad person and I'm going mm-hmm. to avoid it. And there's a way I haven't figured out yet where you can password block it. So, but I'm going to set a password to my one hour limit where I'm going to give my fiance the password so that I can't after an hour even access the apps. Yeah. This actually ties in with mental health. So which which ties in with another podcast you're doing. If you want to talk about that for a second, I was doing a podcast earlier today. I was just like, man, like today, like for example, when I wake up in the morning, the rule is do not look at the phone and then like do the meditation thing. I'll go on a walk without the phone and I'll hop on the bike. But like my mind just feels like more clear or clear. And then like, but the thing is like, if I start the morning off, by look at the phone, my mind just becomes scrambled. Right. So I don't know like how you look at it and what your screen time looks like. Yeah. So, well, there's a few things here. One is that, you know, you hear the word mental health or the phrase mental health. And I think people automatically think of it as like medical diagnosis, right? Like if we're talking about mental health, we have to be talking about anxiety, depression, OCD, et cetera. And I think what you just described is your mental health. And to me, mental health is what is someone's perception of the world and how clear is their perception of the world? How clear or foggy is it? Obviously, it's incredibly important. Screen time is such an important tool for me, not only because I just think looking at my phone is all the time is bad, but also because I find Twitter specifically to be really tough on my mental health. I find it increases the amount by which I compare myself to other entrepreneurs and investors in a really not healthy or motivating way. And then finally, to your point, we're launching another show called Imposters in February, and they're going to be 30-minute episodes. It's going to be with athletes, artists, and executives. And it's basically going to be tackling what is the biggest life challenge that happened to my guest and how do they navigate their mental health while excelling in their career during that life challenge. And we talk about everything from an entrepreneur who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder while building a billion-dollar company to someone who you know, who experienced alcoholism for 10 plus years in their journey with that. Mm. 
that one hit me and I started thinking about it. So I have to think about it afterwards. But um, yeah. Alex, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you and your podcast online? Yeah, Twitter at Business Barista and Founders Journal. You can find anywhere, Apple, Spotify, or the podcast player of your choice. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much for doing this. Cool, man. Thanks so much for having me. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.